Would you please welcome all those who are logged on online with us that may or may not been able to be here, but they have taken the time to join us. Um, we don't believe that the presence of God is uh, subject to a sanctuary. We believe that He can go all places at all times. And so when they take the time to devote their Sunday morning, even at home, we believe that God can honor that. Amen. Hey, don't forget next week, Pastor Bishop Clint Brown. Man, this place is going to be full. Um, and we're excited about that. He's way more popular than me, so we're expecting a huge crowd. We're going to have a great time. Uh, make sure that people know that he's going to be with us next weekend. I will fill this place however necessary. I'm not, not ashamed. I have no shame on getting people to come to church. If I have to shave Pastor Weston's beard, I will make that sacrifice. Okay? And we do what it takes around here to make sure that, that we encourage and inspire people to come to the house of God. Turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 5, verse 13. We're going to introduce a series today that we're going to go into throughout the summer. Like I said, next week we'll have Pastor Clint. The week after that, I'm going to actually preach, uh, teach a message on Pentecost um, what they experience, what it means to us, how we experience all of those things. But our, our, our promo for the summer is going to be New Hope, Summer Vibes, Summer Vibes, hashtag Stay Salty. If you don't remember all the Summer Vibes stuff, you just remember the, the hashtag Stay Salty. Do we have the picture? Yeah, we're getting it. Here it comes. It'll be here in just a minute. Our promo for you this summer is that we want you to go on vacation, but we want you to take Jesus with you, okay? Isn't that a good, isn't that a good picture? We found that. We, Googled, we worked really hard about five minutes in a staff meeting one day, and we Googled that picture of Jesus. Please don't take that as like a sacrilegious thing. It's really not. Jesus walked on water. He could have surfed on water. Bible doesn't tell us. Could have happened. All we know is that he wouldn't have needed a board, okay? So wherever you go this summer... We want you to take vacation, but we want you to take Jesus with you. Matthew chapter 5, verse 13. Jesus tells those who have gathered around him that you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. So here's what we're trying to get you to do this summer. Do not lose your flavor. Do not lose your flavor. A lot of pastors talk about this thing that happens in every church across the nation as if Jesus were some sort of seasonal subject that we worship and make a sacrifice to, but they call the months of June and July, even the beginning of August, because everybody's trying to sneak that one more trip in before school starts, but we refer to that as the dog days of summer. It's the summer slump in attendance by people who believe in Jesus, who uh, would call themselves church-type people, children of God. It's the summer slump, and we have just decided as a staff and a leadership team that we are not participating this year. We want to encourage you, go on vacation, but don't take a vacation from Jesus. Don't lose your flavor over the summertime when God's been working for in your life all year round. We are not going to participate. We are going to 
shirk the slump. Not shark the slump, but shirk it. Almost like we're going to shuck a, a corn. We're going to take that slump and we're going to make sure that it doesn't happen with our people in this house. How are we going to do that? We are going to stay salty. We developed this hashtag because we want you to take it. And wherever you go, we want you to tag our church and hashtag stay salty. Let us know where you are, what you're doing. Let everybody know that it is okay to go on vacation, but it is not okay to take a vacation from your relationship with Jesus. Take a vacation, rest and rejuvenate. Listen, spend time with your family this summer. Make memories with your family. You can always make more money, but you cannot make more memories. When you miss the moment, you don't always get it back. Take your finances, take your family, and enjoy a time of relaxation and rejuvenation. But don't leave Jesus at home. Leave your tithe at home. First service like that more than you did. I'm just letting you know. Take Jesus on vacation, not his first fruits. I'll come back to that in just a minute. Listen, don't sacrifice the eternal things that God has been doing in your life all year round for a temporary moment of pleasure, okay? What happens in Vegas does not stay in Vegas. You will bring that junk home. If you don't believe me, go find a room with somebody that has bed bugs. Put your luggage next to them. And just believe the commercial that says that thing's going to stay in Vegas. No, that thing will travel all the way home with you and multiply itself in your bedroom. I mean, I know somebody. It hadn't happened. It happened to us. We didn't go to Vegas. We went on a cruise. We brought bed bugs home. You, you cannot take a vacation from the call of God on your life. You cannot take a vacation from being aware of the presence of His Spirit. You cannot take a vacation from Jesus. Instead, take a vacation with Jesus. It was a couple of years ago, my wife took us on a, a cruise with the business that she works through Facebook and makeup, and you know, she wears that, so she does that, and I'm glad because I get to go on vacation. And so we went on this cruise and I told her before I left, like, I'm so glad, like, I'm, I'm, my phone's not going to work. I'm turning it off, like, before we leave. I'm, I'm turning my phone off. I am, and here's what I said, I said, I am taking a vacation from people, from, like, ministry. I'm taking a vacation. We weren't, like, halfway through the airport before we even got on the first plane. And we were eating, and I was ignoring everyone except for her, and I was having a great time. And all of a sudden, I just had this sense of God messing with me. And I was like, nope, nope, I'm on vacation. Leave me alone. I'm not doing it. Nope, nope, I don't feel you. I don't hear you. I'm on vacation. My phone is off, and you don't text. So <laughs> I looked down from me, and I saw a man sitting by himself. He was working on some stuff, and I... I knew that I was supposed to go down and, and, and just ask. Um, I was all of a sudden not taking a vacation for ministry. So I got up, and I walked down, and I sat beside the guy, and I, I introduced myself. I said, hey, my name's Chris Fry. I, I'm going on vacation. But, man, I just really believe that God has stopped me because you're carrying something heavy. 
and I'm supposed to just just pray with you right here in the airport McDonald's. Cool, huh? And and I was expecting you to be like, you know, all the other times that that happened, and and guys like, uh, I'm good. I'm like, oh, okay, praise God, me too. I just making sure. But all right, we'll talk to you. I'm gonna go on vacation now. Like I said, I was doing. And but he said, he said. As soon as I said it, he looked at me, and he had a tear in his eye. He said, my, my wife is so terminally ill that she can't get out of bed. I was scared to death to leave her. I don't know what situation will be when I get back home. She's miserable, and so am I. It's paralyzed her. She can't move, and I didn't want to leave, but I had to. And so we prayed. Well, did God miraculously heal her? I don't know. But God miraculously ministered to that man because I didn't take a, we didn't take a vacation from Jesus. We took vacation with Jesus. And we want you to do the same. Now, I'm going to be careful here because this is a touchy subject. Um, but, but seriously, and I was kind of joking, I had a lot more fun with the first service because they laughed more <laughs> at that one piece. But don't spend the first of God's provision on vacation. Don't rob from God to spend money on vacation. That's, that's not God's desire. It is His desire for you to rest and rejuvenate, to invest in your children and your grandchildren and your family, your friends, your loved ones. It, he, it's okay that you take a vacation. And we, we encourage you to take a vacation. But we don't encourage you to take what's God's and leave it somewhere else. Listen, if you've prepared for it and you've put some money back and you've planned and you're ready, then I'll use the same phrase that my dad used to say, go it. Like, I'm for that. Take it and go have a blast. But don't go and be disobedient to God in any area. And the only reason that I speak to finances is because I know a lot of people that they will just go on vacation and forget that their bank account has a limit. (laughs) Like, that thing doesn't take vacation, okay? Like, if you spend it all out there while you're gone, then when you come back, it's not going to, like, supernaturally multiply itself again. And, And for some of you, You, like I, need to learn that you don't have to spend money to make memories, okay? Like, seriously, my wife didn't grow up with the the expenditures that I did. I was, my parents were, I lived off two family incomes. I was more spoiled and didn't have to hardly work for, as long as I played baseball and made good grades, I pretty much got what I wanted. And when I didn't, I called my mama Linda and she made it happen. But, but Megan actually had to work like a little bit harder for, for some of the things that she had. I don't want to make it sound like her parents didn't take care of her because they did. They just made her work a little bit more, um, then I had to work. And so she watches our finances at home. I watch the churches with a board. Thank you, Jesus. But, but she watches them at home. And so if I go on vacation and I take that magic card with a strip on it, and I'm just like, yeah, let's get this. Let's get that. Oh, girl, I got you. I'm going to buy this. Like, you're going to get another job on Friday is what you're going to do if you keep spending all our... I didn't plan for... And so I actually end up ruining her peace and her vacation because I am all but rebelliously spending money that we didn't plan for. So make memories. You don't have to spend money to make memories. You know what she wants from me on vacation? My attention. 
You know what my children need? My time. They need me to run around on the beach and do things that they want to do. They need me to to take them out to eat and have fun without being distracted by or from anything else. They They need me. They need my investment. And I remember, I don't know if you, some of you kind of grew up. And so there were some vacations. I know we didn't spend any money because we didn't have stuff with us that we probably should have had. But those are the vacations that I remember. Like when all 12 of us got in this rickety mobile home that I didn't know if it was going to get out the driveway or not. And I got like 17 cousins and we were all slapping each other halfway there. But man, I will never forget the time that we went to San Antonio and it should have only taken us eight hours. And for whatever reason, we had to stop and get a hotel room that night. <laughs> like those are the vacations that I remember. And that didn't cost us hardly any money except for all them hotel rooms. Stay salty this summer. Why do you need to stay salty? This morning I'm going to go over three things that staying salty will, will cause in your life. Number one, if you're taking notes, staying salty will cause you to stay thirsty. Anybody ever have a throat ache, like you got a sore throat, and you tell somebody, and they tell you to, no, do not gargle salt water. That is nasty. We are not our grandparents. We have Listerine, okay? They have since discovered hydrogen peroxide, okay? It is okay to not take Epsom and dump it down your throat. That is not good. Use that pink lister. You can use like the baby bubble gum act stuff, and it will serve the same purpose. It's, it's flavorful. It feels better because every time that I gargle the salt water because my great-grandma said it was a remedy that is unlike any other remedy, I will gargle the salt water, and what do I do? Ha! I'm like trying to get Epsom out of that thing that goes between my throat and my nose. And I don't even know why that's there. I can breathe out of my mouth. There had to be another way. I like make it out of my ear. I don't know. But whatever it is, it's stuck. And now what do I want? Something to drink. I don't care if it's a half gallon of the sweetest tea the world has ever known. I will drink the whole thing to get rid of the salt because salt makes me thirsty. Too much of a good thing is not good. Number two, salt preserves. Now, I found this while I was studying for this message, but I posted it and it really didn't get a lot of attention. So apparently duck ham is not as popular as I thought it would be. (laughs) But I was really excited. I was like, that's a thing. Oh, Lord, I am trying that in November. Thank you, Jesus. The first mallard I kill, duck ham. It's going down in the fry house. We will relook up the recipe. I was excited. You take the salt and you cure the meat. And the salt in the curing process preserves the meat. Now, this is the same process, I guess, that's applied to bacon. I'm not like a physical science major, so I just kind of Google things real quick and hope it's right, okay? If it's .org, it's easier to follow, more believable. But apparently, this is the same process they have with bacon. How many of you, just, just, just kind of lift up your hands real quick, because I want you guys to get used to participating in service, so I won't keep saying the same thing over and over again. I'll move on to the next point, because I know you got it. How many of you have ever seen 
uh, a man on TV. His name's Guy Fieri. You know Guy Fieri? Oh, yeah. Way more people watch the Food Network in the second service. Either that or the first service, a bunch of liars, and they watch the Food Network all the time. They won't confess it. Because how many of you, like, I woke up at 11.30 one night, watched the Food Network. All of a sudden, I'm in the kitchen trying to make French toast with French vanilla parfait stuff. I mean, I'm like, I can do this. Yes, I got this. Megan smells French toast at 11.40. She's like... What are you doing? So I'm making French toast. You want some? Why are you? Yeah, I do. Let's eat some French toast. But I watch Guy Fieri. He's like one of my non, non-Christian heroes. Well, I don't know if he's Christian or not, but I, he's one of my heroes. I just love that dude. He's hilarious. He goes and he gets to, and probably it's a little bit of Christian envy, that he gets to go to all these places, just eat all their food and say, thanks, I'm Guy Fieri. Have a good day. And then he walks away and leaves. But the diners, drive-ins, and dives, oh, that was way better in first service. Um, he goes all the place, and, and Megan and I were in Jackson Hole, Wyoming, and I saw Guy Fieri's picture in this restaurant. And I was like, well, Megan, Guy Fieri was here. She's like, who's that? Like the guy with the hair and the thing, but drives the car. Like, oh, thanks, that narrows it down, you know. (laughs) So we sit down at the table, and the waitress comes up, and I said, Guy Fieri was here? She's like, yes, Guy Fieri was here. And a lot of other places in the world, are you okay? (laughs) What would you like to have? Whatever Guy Fieri had, he's like my best friend that doesn't know me. (laughs) It's true. And so, so she, like, is bringing me the appetizers, you know, and all this stuff. And then we get to the end, and she brings me this, like, glass jar with these like slices of heaven sticking out. It's candied bacon. I know, right? Don't get that. (laughs) Unless you have like a bottle of Bayer standing by real close. But I got it and I ate, you know, half the jar because it's it's salted, cured, well-preserved bacon, caramelized in candy. And so it was, man, I just, I ate as much as I could eat of it. And then, and then I took the rest of it and I like wrapped it in whatever I found in the, around. There's some plastic stuff. I think it was in Megan's purse. Like, hey, that works. I put it, the bacon in the thing and I stuffed it in my backpack. About a month and a half later, I was looking for something in my backpack and I felt that bag. Come on, somebody. And I pulled that bag out of my backpack and I opened it and I thought, whew, that stuff's old. (laughs) Oh, well. And so, man, I took a bite and it tasted almost the same after a month and a half of sitting in my backpack. Because if you take the salt and you cure the meat, then it actually has a preservation principle to it. Listen, church, we are meant to preserve what God is doing in our lives all year long. In fact, the preservation that God has given us may be the provision for somebody else. If we will stay salty and not make our sacrifice to Jesus Christ a seasonal aspect of our lives. Number three, salt causes thirst, salt preserves, and salt gives flavor. Early on in our marriage, um, Megan was uh, learning to cook. And, uh, and that's, that's okay. It's okay because I will literally, as you've heard, eat anything just about. Um, as long as it's not still moving, like if I don't have to catch it and it's sitting still, I'm game. I'll try it at least once. And so she's cooking and she takes the pasta, you know, and the thing and the green stuff, the 
pesto. Thank you. Had to do that earlier too. And so she mixes that in and she takes some vegetables and she does this big pot deal. And I come home and I'm like, hey, it smells good enough. Let's go with it. And so I fill up a plate, right? Like, I mean, this is like our mid 20s. I'm like, she's like, I'm glad I already ate. And so I sit down and she's watching me eat, you know? And I'm eating, I'm like looking in here, I'm like eating and looking, and I got like noodles hanging out of my mouth, and I look, and she's looking, and she's like waiting, you know, what y'all do when you spend that much time, effort, and energy in something, you're like, does he like it, does he? And, but then she's watching me like, what is, what is he doing? What's, and so she asked, like, what are you looking for? And I was like, babe, this is, I mean, it's really good, like, it tastes way better than the last thing that we ate, but it's, man, it's, it's. It's missing meat. Like, there's no meat. Like, you can't fool me with a mushroom. It would have to be like a really thick mushroom. That, I mean, throw some tofu or something like veggie burger. Trick me. If you fool me, I'm okay with that. But I got to believe that I'm eating some meat in this thing somewhere because I'm a secondhand vegetarian. I'm not a firsthand, like secondhand vegetarian. Like, I buy the corn, feed it to the deer, then I eat the deer. It's not firsthand for me. I believe in vegetarianism. It's just in the second hand. And so when I'm looking for something, is that a word? Somebody Google that and tell me tomorrow. But that's how far from vegetarian I am. But when I'm eating some meat, I don't just want like, hey, let's clean the deer, pull out the tenderloins and throw it on a plate. Like, here you go, Chris. We heard you like meat. Like, I don't like that meat that way. I mean, that's still got like some stuff on it there, bro. <laughs> Let's wash it or something. You, know, don't, you just can't just throw that meat on the plate. You got to what? You got you to gotta season it. Like I like it when somebody takes a fork and then starts like dumping stuff on top of it. Some liquid smoke and then that garlic powder stuff and the fake onions. Is somebody taking notes on this? Look, I'm, I'm trying to tell you how to help me. Okay. And so, and then the, well, I probably don't say it like y'all do, but the Worcestershire sauce and you just dump the, all that stuff together and maybe a little Italian and teriyaki, you know, get fancy, like cut up a piece of real garlic or something and Throw that in there, and then don't put it in the smoker because that takes way too long, and this brother's hungry. Get you a pressure cooker. Come on, somebody. Shove that meat in there and make it fall off the bone even if it ain't supposed to. Pull it out. That's what I like my meat seasoned. Like, I'm not going to go to Outback and just ask for the leg of a cow. No, I want prime rib seasoned and seared with some sauce. I lived in Canada for a month and a half, thought I was going to die. My parents are like, hey, how are you doing? Are you enjoying it? I mean, no, I'm in Canada. I'm sorry, if you're from Canada and you're listening to this, I play with a lot of guys that, that were, and so I'm, I'm picking and loving on them at the same time. This part's true. Well, what can we get for you? Is there anything we can I'm Like, yes, you can overnight me a bottle of Tabasco and Tony Satcher's like yesterday. If you will put that in a box and send it to me before I starve to death, because I just need some seasoning. I need some I need some flavor in my life. Other people need flavor in their lives. The lives that are represented in these these empty chairs in this room this morning. They may be looking out their window wondering if anybody hears or anybody cares. And the church is the answer to the world's loneliness and hurting. And if we will understand that Christianity is not just seasonal, that it offers the thirst that people are looking for. It offers the preservation and the flavor that people desire in their lives. 
Because my saltiness is someone else's seasoning. Because I can give flavor if I will stay salty. See, our lives bring credibility to our witness. Talk is cheap. Don't tell me, show me. Jesus performed many miracles and then he said go. He didn't send people out without showing them the truth. Our actions have to equal our words. Otherwise, we're just like the ones that were spoken to by the prophet Isaiah, that we honor him with our mouth, but our hearts in the representation of our actions are far from him. Jesus didn't tell us. He showed us. We have to take what we experience in here on a Sunday morning to the world out there. Because Sunday morning is not supposed to be the time that all the church people come to eat. Sunday morning should be the celebration of all the believers that are doing the work of the ministry outside of the walls of the house of God. So if people aren't falling out in Walmart, don't get mad at me because they're not falling out in here. If people aren't getting saved in here on Sunday morning, they need to be getting saved out there on Sunday morning. Now we're going to push and press for everything that we can do, but don't get mad at me for not doing on Sunday what you don't do all week long. We need to take the experience of the Holy Spirit, the the change that Jesus Christ has to offer, that we come in here and say we believe out of that door and to the people that don't know, that don't believe, that are still hurting, still wondering, still wanting, and looking for an answer that we know we have. We got to take it out. I'm all, about, I'm all about the Pentecostal experience. I'm all about the gathering of two or three in one, of, in one accord. I'm, I'm all about having everything that God has in every service. And I will stop. Even if I didn't do it in the first one, I'll stop in the second one. But I've had about enough of fat Christianity. It's time for us to begin to share whatever we experience in this place. Because we've been hoarding it to ourselves long enough, hoping the pastor will lead us to the next field after we ate everything in the last one. Hmm, my bad. If you're standing there, just back up. Just back up. I still love you. I'm just tired of old church. Because I'm ready to be a part of a church that grows because the people catch the heart of God. I've been in enough churches where good people were coming and probably going to heaven, but they weren't taking that experience out into the lost community that they were supposed to have influence over. I want to be a part of the church that takes what happens in here out there to other people. And the only way that we're going to do that is if we produce what we advertise. We say we believe in And we know that the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. I said kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control. It's a gospel of inclusion, not exclusion. It's a gospel of deliverance. But so many times I've met so many people who say that they're filled with the Spirit of God and they're just as hateful as the snake that I won't touch. They're just as depressed as the people that are voting to legalize marijuana. Church people, believers, come into a service, have mad chaos, completely out of order, call it Jesus Christ. They're just as bound by their sin as the people that didn't come and run around. 
You understand what I'm saying? As a church, we have to produce what we advertise because nobody wants to be a part of that junk. If people don't see the love of God, the peace of God, the righteousness of God, the self-control of the Holy Spirit, if they don't see those things in us when they visit our church or when they see us in the community, then why in the world would they want to be a part of it? We justify their lifestyle when we don't live out His. In corporate America, when you don't produce what you advertise It's illegal. It's false advertisement. And I would say that it's just about time that the church begin to hold the church accountable for its false advertisement. That we would begin to not only produce inside the walls of a sanctuary, but outside of the walls in a society. And that Sunday morning should extend out of the parking lot into the restaurant. That Wednesday night should extend into the airport on the way somewhere for that weekend. And for the love of God, don't let it die just because your kids are home every day instead of at school. It's summertime. It's time to take Jesus everywhere we go because more people are out and about during the summer than they are during the winter. Colossians chapter 4, verse 5. It says, Walk in wisdom. Toward those who are outside. It's just me not liking that because I don't like for people to feel like that I'm better than them. But I would rather that word say, walk in wisdom toward those who are not yet inside. They're not necessarily outsiders, they're just not yet insiders. Like when the church goes out of the house of God and begins to see people the way that God sees them. Like, I don't get to just enjoy my Saturday afternoon. I don't get to go to big venues and think, man, this is really cool. I'm glad that we're celebrating this team or this musician. I go to those places and I see churches. I see potential. I see people that could be serving on Sunday, plugged into the ministry. I see people that are lost, hurting and lonely. And I see the redemption of God inside of those people. I walk around with a burden that God has laid on my heart that people should have for people instead of just pastors hoping that their people begin to understand We should walk the streets of this city, drive the streets of this city, go to the businesses in this city and understand the heart of God for the people that he has put us around. Because it's when that happens that we will begin to walk in wisdom and see the potential inside of the people that God has put in our path. That we would walk in wisdom toward those who are not yet insiders, redeeming the time. I've got some scholars in the room that can correct me later if I get this wrong, but I ask the Lord, what does that mean? Walk in wisdom towards outsiders, redeeming the time. It means that when we as a church, when we as the believers of Jesus Christ will walk in wisdom towards somebody that doesn't know what we know or hasn't yet experienced what we could have, when we understand that the heart of God is that none should perish, black, white, red, Latino, or any other race, any other social status, that we understand that none should perish, but all would come to repentance, that we walk in wisdom towards those who are not yet insiders, and just our presence helps redeem their past. The weight of the time 
that they have been living this life up to that point. When a salty believer walks up to that person in wisdom, not in angst and judgment, but in wisdom, love with righteousness and joy, when we walk up, they begin to sense their past being redeemed. They begin to sense a presence of something that's bigger than the pain that they were just walking with. They begin to sense the presence of something that's more fulfilling than that what they were pursuing yesterday. The presence of a salty believer begins to redeem the past of an unbeliever. Verse 6 says, Let your speech always be with grace. Well, that's not easy. Because I'm really good at this. <laughs> but you can't talk to people this way. Not unless you're up here. Like if I go out and start talking to people this way, my wife gets on to me all the time. She's like, why are you talking to me like that? Like, what are you talking? I ain't talking. What am I talking? I'm not talking to you. I'm just talking. We're just having a conversation. Like, no, you're talking to me like you're preaching. And you're not in the pulpit. We're in the kitchen. Like, it's just how I talk. My daddy was this way. Our son is this way. He shouts everything. I don't know. Ask God. It's just the way it is. He's going to catch it one day. I'm like, son, why are you yelling? Why are you yelling at me? I don't know. We just yell. That's what we do. Let your speech <laughs> always be with grace. Listen, I made a commitment to my family in the living room and our student minister and my sister who were staying at our house. So for every time that you've heard me yell for the last six months, I'm sorry. I want to confess this out loud because I want to stop it. I told Jesus last night I don't want to yell. I don't want to yell at my children. I certainly don't want to yell at my wife and our staff. And I have jacked that up since then. But I'm not satisfied. I will be salty. I will preserve. Not hurt. There's too many people. Too many lives at stake. For me to not let my speech always be with grace. And I'm not talking about hyper grace. It just lets everybody get along with everything and assume that Jesus will cover it. No, that's crucifying the Son of God again. Trampling Him underfoot once again. You don't get to just live however you want to and expect to inherit the kingdom of God because one time you said you believe in Jesus. That's not how this thing works. That's not grace. If that were grace, then God would have let Adam and Eve stay in the garden in their sin. But he didn't do that. See, so he understood that grace was love with accountability. Seasoned with salt. That you may know how you ought to answer one another. Like how we respond to one another. That we don't just react because our kids aren't listening. That we don't just react because we're frustrated with the lifestyle of the person that we actually really care about but then our speech would be with grace, seasoned with salt. And then we know how we're supposed to answer. John chapter 7, verse 37. The Bible says, On the last day of the great feast, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out. Okay, he didn't just say it. It was more than just saying it. The Bible says that he stood and cried out. 
he, he implored. He, he called with everything that he could call. He cried out, this is important. It was so important to Jesus that he didn't just state it, he shouted it with every fiber of his being. If anyone thirst, let him come to me and drink. Are you thirsty? Believer and not yet believer alike, have you come to Jesus recently and let him give you a drink? Verse 38, he who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart. Remember the prophet Isaiah said that you honor me with your mouth, but your heart, your heart is far from me. But Jesus says, whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. If everybody around you is thirsty, it's because you're not drinking enough. Pastor John, would you join me this morning? We want you to have a great summer. But we want to be one of the few churches in the United States that doesn't stop growing just because it's summertime. We want to be one of the few churches in the United States whose people don't take a vacation from Jesus. Rather, they take vacation with Jesus and do more ministry in more places because they have Him him with them. Because He leads them to people that He wouldn't have led them to before because they take a different path. We want you to be thirsty. We want you to preserve. And we do not want you to lose your flavor. Be salt. But let him be water. Jesus is the living water. He's the one that provides the opportunity. He's the one that when we make the most of the opportunity, brings forth a harvest that we could have never brought forth. But it's not because we serve him seasonally or we sacrifice to him seasonally. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Summer, fall, winter, and spring. Jesus remains, and so should we. Why? Because the saltier that we stay, the more refreshing he remains. How do you know that? Because often spiritual things are revealed in the physical world. And I told you earlier, I, I'm, I'm not a, like a physical science major by any means. Like I took one biology class and committed to the Lord that I would never do that again, okay? Like I avoided science with everything that I had. Um, I took astronomy with the fear that I was taking astrology just because I wanted to avoid any more of those science classes. I just want to look at stars. But I Googled this, and this is how simple this is. That sodium or salt, when taken into the physical body, actually helps to retain water. Now, Paul did this all the time. He would make references to the physical body that would portray the spiritual condition. Like, I fight not as though I beat the air, right? Run the race with endurance. Train and prepare your body. It was really, it was talking about the physical body, but it was really 
a representation of the, the spiritual condition that Paul was trying to adjust. Sodium helps our physical body to retain water. It comes in coconut water. If you like coconuts, drink some coconut water. It'll help you retain more water, help you stay hydrated in other areas. You ever seen a baseball, baseball dugout? They've got like a box full of sunflower seeds. It's not because sunflower seeds just taste really good or all the people that are trying not to dip are eating the sunflower seeds. It's actually a purpose. The sodium in the sunflower seeds helps the athlete to retain water and be hydrated, not just for that day, but for the next day because they play 160 games within a four-month period or five-month period. You remember when we were in junior high, some of you guys and our coaches, they hadn't read all the new reports yet and they were giving us salt tablets when we would come in for like a break. Like, here, take this salt tablet. I'm like, oh, thank you, salt tablet. And then we'd go over to the water fountain and we would like fill our gut with as much water as we could to try to get rid of the salt tablet taste. And we'd turn around and walk away and there'd be like water sloshing in our belly. We had so much. It was like, can I have another salt tablet? Yeah, salt tablets. Let's have salt tablets. Because they understood that sodium would kind of help retain water. But if you're not really active or if you take too many, then you will see those salt tablets again, just like we did. But they did that because they understood that the saltiness helped that individual to remain hydrated, to stay refreshed, to not become dehydrated or dry. In John chapter four, we see this woman and we don't know her name, but we know that she was referred to as a Samaritan woman. And the Samaritans all throughout scripture are referred to as dogs because the Jewish people did not believe that the Samaritans had the right to worship their God. There's like a family split back down the line somewhere. I don't have time to go into all that, but just know they hated these people. And yet Jesus went through Samaria on purpose. See, that's a message to the church that if you're ever going to meet the people that you're supposed to meet, you may have to go to some places that you wouldn't have normally gone to. Even when they don't sign up for what you would like them to in the church. Well, let's take the church to them. If they don't all come on Wednesday night, I'm going to go and have a presence on the campus so that they make sure and know whether they come to church or not that Jesus loves them and has a purpose for them. Now there was this well in Samaria referred to as the well of Jacob where people would come and they would get their water and the women actually according to most scholars would look forward to this moment throughout their day because y'all like to come around and chirp at each other like rabbits and we can't understand what you're saying and they all understand it. Like, you know what's going on. And you ask each other questions that increase the chirping. And there's like multiple chirpings going on all around with a bunch of rabbits. And everybody understands what the other rabbits are saying. And I'm sitting in the background and I'm trying to interpret like the rabbit ease. And I don't know what's going on, but I know that it's enjoyable because everybody's cackling and laughing. And I don't know why it's so funny. I didn't even know what you said, but I'm laughing too. Because that's what people do at the well. They come together and they fellowship. However they fellowship, that's what they did. But this woman was not with a bunch of people. She was by herself. And she went to the well alone. For whatever reason. Whether she had family and friends or not, they weren't there. She was by herself. 
And this is the woman that Jesus would go and meet. Now, here's what we know about this woman. Jesus looked at this woman and he said, you've had five husbands and the man that you're now with is not your husband. I told you a couple of weeks ago, I believe that numbers represent things in scripture. And in scripture, one of the things that you really don't have to stretch that far to see is that the number of six is the number of man. And in the last days, you you see that the Antichrist is represented by the number 666. So it's the number that will perish. It's not the number of fulfillment. It's not the number of newness. not the number of salvation. It's the number of man. So I don't think it's any accident that this woman had been with five men. And now she was with another man, the sixth man, that was not her husband. But how many of you can look at that situation Even though she existed in the number of man, the number that was perishing, the number that gave her no hope, the number that would lead to her destruction. But that day she met the seventh man the man of fulfillment, the man of purpose, the man that would change her and give her a revelation that would not just renew her, but refresh her and rejuvenate her and repurpose her entire destiny. She met that man and his name was Jesus and he said the same thing to her that he cried out from that hilltop that day. You're gonna drink of this well and you're gonna be thirsty as soon as you walk away. But if you will believe in me, whoever drinks from the water that I give them, they will never thirst again. I don't know where you are today. But if you feel like you're alone or you feel like you've been dry, I'm gonna ask you to be thirsty again, to stay salty this summer, Because the Bible says that when she experienced the presence of Jesus, when he told her that she was forgiven and he revealed the revelation of worship to her, that no longer will we worship God on this mountain or that mountain, but we will worship him in spirit and in truth. That means that we take him everywhere we go, whether we like it or not. And we worship him. We have access to him, not because of what we've done, but because what he's done for us. And then he told her, go and sin no more. See, that's grace. The revelation of the joy and the righteousness, the peace that God has available. And then the challenge to not stay where you are, but to move forward and go. Not to revert back to the former lifestyle, to go back to the house and get back in the arms of the sixth man that was going to lead you to destruction, but to stay in the arms of the seventh man that would fulfill you for all eternity. And so she went and she told everybody that she could find. And they came back with her. They didn't hire a pastor. To go tell everybody what Jesus had done. While the woman sits in the presence of Jesus. Because she just never wants to leave. Jesus told her, you go. And she went and they came. And here's what happened when they all came back with the woman that had experienced the presence of Jesus. They said, we don't believe because we heard what you said. But we believe because we have heard ourselves. There's more to this thing than seasonal Christianity. There's more to this thing than seasonal servanthood. Come to the well.
thirst again. Preserve again. Gain your flavor again. Stay salty this summer. Would you bow your head and close your eyes with me? If you're in this place right now and, and you would just admit, man, I, I've, I've been dry. I've been dry. I've been unfulfilled. Maybe I've been lonely. But there's just got to be more to this life than what I've been experiencing. If that's you and you want that to change today and you would be willing to commit your life in a new way to Jesus, would you just raise your hand right where you are? Don't lie to me. Every head bowed, every eye closed, nobody's looking around. Don't lie to the Holy Spirit. Everybody in here ain't full of God with living water flowing out of their heart every day. If you can't be honest in the sanctuary, you'll never be honest in society. Be honest and say, that's me. I'm thirsty. I'm dry. Thank you. Hallelujah. Playing games in the pulpit. That's me. I want to thirst more. I need to stay salty. I need to do more for the kingdom of God. Be ashamed in the house. God's looking at you. He sees your heart. That's me. That's me. I've been dry. I want to be more full. I want to be more fulfilled. I want to serve God more. It's a different altar call. The church needs to arise to the challenge. And if you haven't been arising to the challenge, would you just admit, hey, that's me. I want to be used. I don't want to be dry. I don't want to be thirsty every day. I want to have experiences where God quenches my thirst and, it, and he, he deals with my heart and I go out from that place and I become the living water that somebody else needs so that I can be a part in the hand of God of quenching somebody else's thirst. If you're in this place and you've never received Jesus before and I'm talking to you, I, I don't even need you to raise your hand. I just need you to pray in just a minute. Because it doesn't matter what you pray if you don't leave this place and do what Jesus says, which is go and sin no more. Go and share the gospel. Church, would you stand with me today? Man, Chris, that was a little intense. I know. But this thing's not going to last forever. Like, we're not on vacation yet. We're not in his rest yet. There's still work to be done. I hate this. I hate it. I hate that. Why? Because you don't feel good about the sanctuary being filled? No, because I understand that every one of those seats represent a soul in this community. That if half of the people that have been here for the last two weeks, just half of the people would bring one person that is not currently living for God, then we would have 450 people in this sanctuary and we would have to begin to expand what God's wanting to do in more ways. I don't want to be a part of the church that just comes in the sanctuary has a really good experience and does nothing with it. I can't. I've got too much inside of me. I've got too much wrapped up in me. I can't handle being that way or being a part of that church. And I don't believe that you will be able to either. We have got to get to the place where we're willing to rise to the occasion and not just be salty seasonally. I've been that way and there's no success in it.
So if you raised your hand a minute ago, then I want you to pray a prayer right now. And before you leave this place today, we're going to pray, and then I'm going to pray over you. But before you leave this place today, I want you to confess to at least one person, not me. I can't keep up with all y'all. I love you. But 280 is too much for one family. You are a chosen people. You are a royal priesthood. You can stay salty. Would you pray with me this morning? I just want you to repeat this prayer with me very simply. Jesus, forgive us for where we've fallen short. Help us to honor you in all that we do. To know you and to make you known. Place within us the desire to follow hard after you and be obedient to you in every place with every person. Come on, would you just lift your hands all over the sanctuary? Father, I pray that you would bless us and keep us. Father, that we would receive this gift of eternal life and that we would live it out in our daily lives. Would you make your face to shine upon us and be gracious to us and lift up your countenance upon us and give us your peace? Would you anoint us right now to accomplish your will and to walk in your ways? Holy Spirit, come upon us and let us love you as much as we do or say that we do Jesus. And let our love for you empower us to meet people and grow closer to you together to be your witness in our daily lives, in society, not just in the sanctuary. God, to not just be seasonally salty or seasonally serving you, but to do it every day in every way with every person that you put us in the path of. Father, help us to know you and make you known. Charge your angels over us. Help us to dwell in your presence, abide in your shadow, and accomplish your will. In Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, before you leave, tell somebody. Write it on a card. Leave it in your seat. God bless you. Thank you so much for being here today. Don't leave the house and not take it with you.